Hello and welcome into this episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters and also into this episode of the College Esports Quick Take. As you may have heard, we just launched a new feed focused primarily on collegiate esports and this is one of the first feature interviews. For a while, we'll be cross-publishing episodes for the College Esports Quick Take to this feed, but please follow that channel as well if you're interested in the collegiate esports world. Today, we're talking to David Chen, founder and partner at GTIF Capital, and Jimmy Barada, the co-founder of the NACL. David's career has taken him around the world, leading him to be fluent in five languages. In 2010, at the age of 34, David became one of the younger, youngest partners of Deloitte, one of the big four accounting firms. Since then, he's founded the VC firm BLCP Capital, spent some time working in cryptocurrency, and then started the group GTIF Capital with a focus on technology, healthcare, real estate, and esports. He now sits on the board of quite a few companies, including FaZe Clan, a client of GTIF Capitals, and the North American Collegiate League, or NACL. That's where Jimmy comes in, the CEO of FT Empire and a co-founder of the NACL. He's a streamer, attorney, and entrepreneur. Jimmy has been working in the esports and gaming worlds for years. Now as a co-founder of the NACL, an American-based nonprofit organization that hosts video game tournaments and league play for universities and colleges with scholarship prizes. The NACL will also broadcast those competitions, and the goal is to give talented students an on-ramp into competitive esports and the esports industry, while also giving them the financial security needed to continue and excel in college. The NACL has a wide list of brand ambassadors, including former NBA players Fat Lover and Vinny Del Negro, former MLB player Brian Anderson, NHL Hall of Famer Jeremy Roenick, and the underhand free-throw champion himself, NBA Hall of Famer Rick Barry. Jimmy, starting with you, why did you want to found a nonprofit focused on the collegiate esports world? Hey, Mitch, thank you for having me. First of all, I really appreciate being here. I just wanted to say I'm an active weekly listener, uh, actually a daily listener, because I love your esports minute as well. So uh, very, very happy to be here. And thank you for the kind intro and words. Thank you um, for listening. Rare yeah. that a guest is actually a listener. Honestly, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's it's good stuff. I think the news and, and, and the, the more frequent updates are incredibly important because it's such a, a fast-moving industry that uh, the, the daily updates for me in particular are something I look forward to. So thanks again. Um, anyway, back to your question. Uh, and that was just a little fanboy aside, so I apologize. <laughs> I appreciate um, it. I'll take all the fanboy I can get. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when I first got into the, the nonprofit collegiate esports space, I want to actually give Dave the credit for that. Uh, he and I had met through a, a deal with FaZe Clan that we were uh, negotiating and working on for months. And uh, after one of our very first lunches, he pulled me aside and just said, you know, here's how I think you should conduct yourself. Uh, here's how I would play your hand. Gave me some really candid advice, speaking as someone on the opposite side of the table. And, um, he even mentioned, he goes, you know, by the way, I'm from Texas. I'm not from L.A. And, and uh, you know, I know a lot of people in L.A. don't do things from the goodness of their heart. He goes, we do in Texas. And uh, I kind of looked at him skeptically. And then uh, over time, you know, he's definitely become like a big bro to me. Um, and basically uh, several months after that phase clan deal, uh, Dave approached me again. And I think this was in May of 2019 where the NCAA had just announced that they were not going to pursue uh, governing or any type of regulation over collegiate esports. And Dave said, you know, hey, there's a huge opportunity here. I think um, we had the chance to do a lot of good, that uh, there's a real need and a lack of infrastructure and support. 
And, you know, if this is something you want to put a lot of work into, I think we can build something special that provides a lot of resources for people that will need them. So, um, I mean, long, that, that's kind of the short of it. I could definitely go into that for, for an hour alone in terms of why we, why we did it. But, but yeah, I want to give David the credit for seeing this, uh, for having the vision, seeing the opportunity and, and, you know, just bringing me on to be part of the ride. Absolutely. Absolutely, David. For somebody who's worked in so many different industries, what about the collegiate esports world stood out as a potential opportunity? Well, first off, thank you for coming here. You know, I'm a longtime listener, first time caller in, so I'm very happy about this. And, <laughs> and Jimmy B, you know, you, you make me blush when you talk, so I really feel very, very happy and lucky about that as well. You know, for me, I, I think growing up in college, you know, when I was in college, a lot of stress, and I was trying to figure out my life and what I had to do. And I've been gaming for a long time, and and I remember that. You know, when I was playing, my the thing that got me away from all the stress and obviously now in my life was gaming. And it was a big deal. And had I had the opportunities that are currently for the current generation to have esports and to do things that we had to do, and I could have someone that mentored and cared, you know, we're a growing community and the community has to be taken care of in a way that matters and that's meaningful and impactful. So for us, the nonprofit route was the best route because we wanted to show the community that we cared about them you know, that we want to grow that community and listen to the to their thought processes and to show that not just, you know, esports is a big deal, but also collegiate esports. So that's kind of my real thought process behind that and trying to work with it. Definitely. That nonprofit designation is a great thing. There's a little bit of a divide between all the different companies that are in scholastic esports, be that little league esports, be that high school esports or collegiate esports. Uh, Jimmy, why did you want to make sure that this was a nonprofit? What does that bring to the organization that a for-profit company might not have? You know, I think um, being a nonprofit, definitely when people look at you, when you take the meetings, uh, they definitely look at you from a different lens because they understand that you're here for the right reasons. And, uh, you know, you see it today with uh, with a couple of the guys that just started XSET who, you know, wanted to make sure that their clients were provided the infrastructure and support outside of being pro streamers that could carry on their careers if they chose to become general managers or broadcasters or marketers, et cetera. And I think for us, you know, when we were looking at the collegiate space, you know, it, it just, you see a lot of dirty news about, uh, about collegiate players and collegiate um, governing bodies that are profiting off of players' names and likenesses and and things that, that just aren't right. And so, you know, Dave is, again, to, to credit Dave and maybe make him blush again, he's the kind of guy that will leave money on the table to make sure that, that things are done the right way. And uh, where other people might, you know, might try and let other uh, interests drive them in, into potentially making not necessarily as of more of a, of a decision. So, um, so for us, you know, I think it was kind of a no brainer. We thought, you know, Hey, this, this is not about, uh, our careers or about our own businesses. This is about, uh, these kids that we want to mentor kids that, uh, Dave and I have been mentoring in other capacities, um, previously and, and really giving them again, tools to succeed. And I thought that we thought that the, the widest way, the, the best way that we could do that from, you know, as many angles as possible was to become a nonprofit, uh, because that would give us again, access to a lot of the developers and publishers, um, tax incentives, obviously, which, which help our over, keep our overhead low so that we can put on as many tournaments as possible. And more importantly, I think 
uh, scholarship money, prizes, and funding that go directly to the pockets of these students who can use it to better their esports programs as well as pursue uh, edu an education in esports. Um, for example, one of one of the schools that we work with is UCI, University of California, Irvine. Um, quick shout out, Mark Deppie. Uh, but uh, you know, UCI has been great. They they provided us free online classes uh, in their continuing education program to pursue. And, and receive a, a business management certificate in esports. And so some of our tournament winners have that opportunity to win free classes in esports where they can really, you know, if even if they don't have that opportunity, they can go online and get that higher education. So I know I went on a bit of a tangent there, but I hope that all ties in. That's the beauty of podcasts. We're widely accepting to all tangents and all different <laughs> thoughts. And also shouting out UCI. Uh, Mark Deppie was one of the very first guests on the esports network podcast before we had a deal with reuters before i hardly had any subscribers to my name he said the time to come on this show and i appreciate him for doing that back i think it was i think it was single digit episode numbers back then so 120 episodes in and mark it's about time if you're listening to this podcast still it's about time to get you back on the show and now as we do the collegiate esports quick take as well i love that focus on a nonprofit. i'm so it, it makes me so much happier to spotlight an organization where they're focused on human good and doing good things. Like you mentioned XSET. I had the XSET founders on the podcast a few weeks ago. And I love to spotlight organizations doing good things whose heart's in the right place. And they aren't using the podcast as necessarily just PR. That's what it is. I understand that. But it's, uh, it's good that there's organizations wanting to do good things. And I'm so happy take this platform and spotlight those organizations with their giving scholarships to kids in need, with their giving those scholarships to people who've worked really hard to deserve them. And they're a nonprofit. They're not doing it for their own personal gain. That's awesome. You mentioned in the collegiate sports world, there are some organizations that maybe don't have the best representation. I don't think I'd be controversial when I say the NCAA is controversial. Uh, <laughs> they do not have <laughs> the best highlights, and especially as we prepare for a college year that appears to be in the midst of a pandemic and sports are in a really weird spot uh where do you see collegiate esports you said the ncaa is not getting involved which is i think something that most people in esports are pretty happy about how do we make sure that collegiate esports is a better world uh, for everybody involved the ncaa is not involved but that doesn't mean that another organization can't step in and fulfill a similar role a similar exploitative role towards athletes that the ncaa does not totally trying to show the ncaa i think they do some good things but yeah you know also pretty questionable so how do we make sure collegiate esports is a better world than maybe the collegiate athletic space yeah i think i think you know for my answer it starts with leadership i think I think there's enough in the space. And the one thing about any industry that I've been in, you know, coming from Deloitte and working all over industry and function and investing and sitting on, you know, eight different boards right now, I can tell you this. It starts with the leadership. The leadership really cares about the community, listens to the community. Then they end up having the love of the community and then the community will support you. We're in an industry where it's still emerging and it's really not in the mainstream yet. So the leaders of every different org or, or industry or league should be working more together and, and really establishing this so we don't end up hurting ourselves first. And then from that platform, they can choose what they want. But there's enough of the pie, in my opinion, go around. And I think for us at, at NACL, you know, we've been very fortunate to have a great team of people. You know, we have a lot of pro athletes. I'm going to tell this first on your show. Brian Erlacher just joined us. 
Um, Dante Pettis also just joined us. There's some big names, you know, big athletes that, that are part of this because they truly believe in what they're trying to do. And for us, you know, I think an important factor is, you know, when you listen to people, we're probably one of the few leagues that are really streaming only to China. We have that ability to, uh, and, and Huoma, which then gives it a, a people a great platform to be known and noticeable in Asia. A lot of people don't know this, but, you know, the platforms that we have in the U.S. aren't legal in China. So they might be streaming and have multi-million numbers here in the U.S., but they're definitely not going to have it in the world's most populated country. You know, another thing that we want to feature and highlight is we have a seven country 48 episode TV deal where we highlight players and we individual players. And we, and we talk about the colleges and the invitations that come here. I think that's another important thing that we're trying to do. Uh, you know, another third aspect is even just today, um, we, you know, we did a launch with Mark Cuban's clothing company, Three Commons, with ASU, uh, Arkansas State, Icebreakers Clan, of course, NACL. And a third of what we make goes back to the, 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 the orgs. You know, that's never been done in apparel. I mean, I, I've been in apparel for many, many years. And so that is the value added, I think, of listening. Even when we do international markets and things, you know, we have a partnership with the Consensus Ethereum, where that really kind of makes a big difference as well. And with, it, with, with them, you know, the payouts help a lot. So those are the different types of things I think that matter because we listen to the people that are our audience and we try to work with them and make it grow. Yeah, ASU, Arkansas State. Also, we actually included uh, my clan. So I have a, I didn't mention this before, but I have an Instagram clan, um, uh, Fortnite, Call of Duty, pretty much any game and platform. It's what I had mentioned before, Mitch, with having uh, resources and mentoring young kids. So we have a, a group of content creators that, that uh, we put into tournaments that we, that, that, that I've been putting into tournaments and, and trying to help with their careers in esports, whether it's through education or non-competitive opportunities as well. But what Dave was getting at was um, that the, this Mark Cuban three commas launch that just happened yesterday has uh, merchandising opportunities for a lot of these esports programs, varsity clubs, teams, et cetera, that are now getting exposure, that are finding other ways to, to monetize their brands and, and drive some type of revenue to support their programs. Because the sad truth is, is, you know, a lot of these esports programs at these universities don't necessarily have funding unless it's student backed. They don't have uh, support of the, of the athletic department. There, there are loose organizations of varsity clubs, student clubs, um, only the lucky ones, I think, really are, have that support from the university. But that's definitely a trend that we're going to see change in the future um, as, you know, hopefully Learfield IMG gets in the space and in, in, in a bigger way, and as well as these private universities that are de dedicating more resources there. Absolutely. First of all, you dropped the Brian Erlacher news on our podcast. Thank you so much. The number 54, the man in the middle for the Chicago Bears defense, joining the organization. That's a big gift. People who don't know football, that's one of the top 10 players of my generation who's ever graced a football field. So congratulations on bringing him on board. And also congrats on Mark Cuban. Uh, just name dropping all over here. And I love it. That's amazing. Those are some awesome partnerships to do. And that's going to really give you the the backing you need to provide a lot of opportunities to students going forward. Yeah, I just wanted to say I'm actually a huge Chicago Bear fan. Uh, so no one was happier about that partnership than I was. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's awesome. That, that's a big get. You know, I'm still a big traditional sports fan as much as I focused on esports recently. And Brian Urlacher is one of those guys where it's just like, wow, that's a that's a big get right there. How far is he into esports? He's from that generation where it's not necessarily a guarantee. If you talk to a modern athlete like a Dante Pettis, for example, who's 24 years old, he's playing video games. He's probably been playing video games for a long time. Is Brian Urlacher a secret gamer too? A, a closeted gamer from uh, from those days that he was uh, dominating the NFL as well? Brian's a great guy. That's the first thing. You know, he's great. And the second thing is he's really into esports because of his son. And that shows you the generational, you know, abilities of, of, of esports, right? How it brings it together. And that makes a big, big difference. So now, you know, he's working with us because he's a big fan of esports based on his son. And another exciting thing that we'll, what we're going to do is in one of our Madden tournaments, Brian will be coaching against one of our other athletes when they're playing. So that's a super exciting thing. It's also about giving the fan experience for college players as well. I also think one of uh, NACL's great opportunities or offerings here is that a lot of our brand ambassadors, like Mitch, you had mentioned in the beginning of the show, and, and Dave uh, clarifying here about Erlacher, is, you know, uh, for example, Anthony Alfredo from NASCAR, right? You mentioned Vinny Del Negro and, and a lot of the other NBA, uh, Jeremy Roenick, NHL, uh, MLB, et cetera. Uh, brand ambassadors that we have is that there's such a traditional or such a nice overlap between esports and traditional sports that um, on Twitch you don't really see the viewership for, but you do see it with ESPN signing this deal with 2K, right? And I think that as soon as these opportunities are provided and built, that it's one of those build it and they will come kind of scenarios here. So we started that early, I think that's largely attributed to Dave's foresight and vision of the space in terms of not only what opportunities we have within our own networks, but what do we think we could do that at the, when it comes down to it, it's like, what can you do that's cool that you want to do that you have fun doing and that you think other people will, will find interesting as well. And for esports, uh, I think at least for the NACL, I mean, we do do Overwatch and League of Legends and Fortnite tournaments, but the mo the most fun ones, uh, Dave, if you want to speak to it, are are the Invitationals, where we yeah. have these we have these athletes playing 2K and, and NHL and NASCAR against students. And uh, Dave, if you want to speak to that, you know, uh, that, that for me, that's been the coolest. No, it absolutely. I mean, I don't want we we're not just giving prizes. We're no, we're, we're very fortunate to work with people that are giving back. So shout out to Phoenix Speedway. They did a great job. We've done two tournaments in NASCAR, and our first one through our buddy, Anthony Alfredo, you know, uh, great guy, great brand ambassador, is they put together a, we're live at NASCAR in the racing, and we have four pro drivers teaching the college kids how to play NASCAR heat live at NASCAR. And they got so much traction that NBC shows up Rutledge Wood, and they show it, and they air the college kids playing the games live. I mean, it's an unbelievable experience. The second time we did it, you know, at Phoenix Speedway again on March 8th, we had online qualifiers leading up to it. We had the previous winners going against against them. And then we had the audience. They were walking around. And a man named Sam Sanchez won this game. And he got to meet all the drivers. His favorite driver was Rowdy Bush. He got to meet him. You know, again, it was live as it was racing through. He got to be on the Grand March Parade and the Victory Lap. Those are the experiences that we have. And I think that's super exciting. And to your point about 2K and some of our tournaments, 2K – you know, Nate Robinson won, of our, won one of our tournaments. We have guys from Guatemala, you know, South America, Canada, obviously, and Asia compete. And one of my most exciting ones was a global tournament that we did together with Fortnite. And we had everybody and anybody play from Malaysia to Singapore to Brunei to Honduras. And so now you get to play against the best of the best. And, and those invitationals allow everyone to come in and play. 
So the best team, Janus Esports from Guatemala, who plays Fortnite, gets to compete against one of the best teams in Malaysia, and that's the team that actually won. And, and you know, even some of these other invitations that we have, you'll never know who's playing. We, we had an invitational where CJ Uzma played, and Darius Jackson played, and Chase Claypool played, and uh, Ashton Davis won it, uh, him and Big Mac out of Cal, and now, now you know, Ashton's part of the Jets. And college guys are playing with these guys. The streamers playing with these guys. That's amazing. You know, that's an amazing thing for us. So switching gears just a little bit, as we look at collegiate esports coming up this fall, it's going to be a weird year. David, in the past, you mentioned how collegiate esports really don't have a lot of formality across college campuses. Sometimes they're tied to an athletic department. Sometimes they're a varsity program. Sometimes they're t- tied to a comp sci or a business uh, department. It really is not, it's a case by case basis as you go across the US. How do we see that formality come into collegiate esports? You know, where are these programs going to fall under? And do you think we see this fall with pandemic causing sports to be on hiatus, just like we saw during the pandemic with a lot of gamers and athletes playing video games? Are we going to see colleges embrace esports now that maybe sports are? More difficult to pull off. Some sports aren't going to be able to play for sure. So, is this fall going to be a pretty watershed moment for collegiate esports? In your opinion? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I mean, you know, the one thing about collegiate esports and things that are working out, and and and, and I'm going to drop this first one to you too, Mitch. Is uh, I'll be actually teaching a certificate certification course at SMU next summer uh, about tournament and esport play. So, I'm super excited about that and. That was recently. They just started seeing it and going from there. And to that point, I think it's it's going to be a lot of brands and a lot of media buys and time where people are going to have to look at collegiate esports if traditional sports aren't playing because of COVID. And so that's going to give an opportunity to the sport to be upfront and foremost to everybody else. And that's going to make a difference. I think if you know you can always work with other leagues. We work with other leagues all the time um, from all around the world to throw tournaments. We have two tournaments coming up where we're working with you know, a Counter-Strike organization, uh, and, and they're also doing a Valorant tournament. So for us, it, it's a matter of working together and allowing the mainstream to, to have that and understand that and really kind of let the administration understand the the brand value that is there, the people that are focusing on tournaments, the time that they're looking at tournaments, the viewership and the audiences. When you talk about these numbers, they're so mind-blown that most people don't even understand that. And I think that's the opportunity that exists with esports. Yeah, and, and I want to add on to that because what uh, besides from the the tournament structures and the leagues, what you also what I'm seeing is a lot of support now from the orgs and and the the, the industries or rather the the existing businesses that that came up in the industry that founded it that created it for us to all become involved. And what I mean specifically is you see Gen G offering consulting services and developing esports programs for schools. I think it was this week, Cloud9 uh, announced a similar initiative. I wouldn't be surprised if other orgs um, take it upon themselves to share their expertise with these schools because uh, you know that, that is the next generation of gamer. It is uh, unfortunately not necessary to go to school to become a pro streamer, but I think if you do, you, know, you, you do give yourself these resources and the best chance to succeed, not just as a pro competitive player, but uh, just as a professional in the industry. So, um, you know, again, besides schools that are developing programs internally, students that are taking it upon themselves and bugging their administration, hey, create this for us, we'll run it, do this for it, and, and passing it down. Um, what I loved seeing was uh, the strong initiative of Gen G, Jordan Sherman, uh, and, and Kent Wakeford in particular, developing this awesome collegiate uh, outreach program to to bring them up to speed and and 
and again share what they knew and and help the industry from from a, a fundamental level that was uh, largely overlooked until now. Absolutely, absolutely. Both Jordan and Kent, friends of the podcast, I'm having Jordan as one of those these follow up feature interviews. So you're going to be hearing from Gen G directly soon. It, we've been planning this college podcast for about a month now, and this last week really reaffirmed that this was the right time to do this. You mentioned how Cloud Nine decided to deal with UConnect Esports, which is doing. Uh, similar stuff, building communities, building esports tournaments, and then also Evil Geniuses partnered with UCLA this week. So we're seeing a ton of these esports organizations getting more involved. In addition to Gen G, I think the leaders uh, early on, they partnered with Kentucky Esports. They partnered with uh, my friend up at Western Michigan or Eastern Michigan. Sorry, I don't know what side <laughs> of the state your, your college is on. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Terrell. My bad, my bad. Um, but they're... Uh, that's uh, that's some of these partnerships that have been happening, and it's a this big trend. And I think it provides some really cool opportunities to college students. When okay, not only am I playing in my collegiate esports program, maybe a club on campus, but now we have direct correspondence with somebody at Genji. We have somebody at Cloud Nine at Evil Genius. These are the biggest orgs in the world, and that really provides a lot to college students if they're looking at schools and looking at esports opportunities. You get a chance to learn from the best of the best. It'd be like if. Uh, one of the best, like the New York Yankees had a partnership with uh, a collegiate baseball team. It's just something that doesn't happen in the traditional sports world. It's really cool to see that happening in esports because I think it provides a lot of opportunities for kids. Yeah, definitely. You know, the 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 actually the easiest example I could think of, and I don't think it's in the Americas yet, but you do see it a little bit in, um, in soccer overseas, right, with Barcelona having these um, undergraduate uh, resources right, where they develop young talent um it's funny i didn't even think of that until you, ju you just mentioned the, the yankee uh, analogy and i just got, and i thought oh wow you know actually that that, that is something that might be a slightly comparable but but no you're i mean i'm, I'm kind of rambling here so i hope you guys got this part out <laughs> no it's good um, you're, you're absolutely right they had yeah. those academy programs overseas and uh it's something to be to be mindful of we always approach things with this american-centric sports view and uh david i know you've been a very worldly man five languages gives you a pretty big leg up at wherever you want to travel how have you seen what other comparable places are there around the world that american students might not be aware of these different ways that collegiate esports could operate it looks like david's dropped out for just a second this has happened over and over in case this conversation feels a little jilted so David, you're a pretty uh, international man. You you know five languages. You've worked in quite a few regions over your time. Uh, for people who are very American-centric, what are some lessons people can learn about how collegiate esports could operate in these different partnerships between esports organizations and tournament organizers? Could you uh, give us some examples from your experiences of different places where this might be comparable uh, to what collegiate esports are looking like right now? Well, it's an emerging market, emerging industry. In any emerging industry, no matter what space it is, whether it's in blockchain, whether it's in education, you know, whether it's different sectors of the world, you, you have to kind of have a perspective where you have to hit a mass audience because you can't depend on the one demographic that exists. And for us, we've been fortunate enough to work with, with you know, different brands and companies. One of the companies that work with is Fosun Group, which is, you know, the Warren Buffett of China, but these guys are so huge. They, they own the Waldorf Astorias, the Cirque du Soleil's. They own the Wolves Hampton, you know, English Premier League soccer team. They're in PUBG Pro in uh, Asia and their FIFA pro team in China. And, you know, we have a partnership with them where we're working on, on you know, streaming platforms. And so any of the PUBG or any FIFA winners, 
you know, that win our collegiate tournaments, they can go and, and play and try out for a team in China and a team in Europe. You know, so that's something that we really pride ourselves in is, is you have to give them more of an exposure, not just on the side of the country, but on a global side. And I see that's the value of, of esports. And, and just like any emerging market industry, you know, monetization and the ability to really kind of be known wasn't when you were just one country, it was when you were in a global platform and size. So that's significant. And that's the model that we follow. Absolutely. It's good to be teaching kids too about the global nature of esports. Uh, as anybody who's familiar, once you get into this, you realize, okay, esports is being led by China. It's being led by South Korea. And the numbers there, even recently, the numbers in India, the numbers in Brazil are beating out numbers that come from America. And so it's really important to have that worldly knowledge as you go into esports and you want a job at esports because ultimately esports is being led by a lot of other regions that aren't America. For people who are come up in the American school system who are used to watching American sports, that may feel a little bit foreign, but it's an important thing to be aware of just how different this is around the world and all the different games that are popular, the different countries that matter, and the different companies that are leading esports that come from all over the, all over the place. I want to wrap up this podcast. It's been a long one, and I appreciate you guys taking the time for, with me. Uh, the final thing I want to ask you about is high schoolers. So with the college esports quick take, we're really trying to serve the collegiate, the current college student. But I also think that for high schoolers, the decision of where to go to college, what scholarships you can apply for is a massive one. It's something you're thinking about for years and years as you prepare for college. How much do you think esports programs and these esports opportunities are playing into the modern high schooler's decision of where they should go to school, what they should be looking at? I, I think it's I think it's starting to make a difference. I think the difference is there. I think that's why you have these certification courses and and you know different things. Like I mentioned, you know, I'll, I'll be at SMU teaching esports uh, next summer. Um, it, it matters. I think that if you really want to be serious about the sport, it's not just playing. It's not just you know uh, showing content. Or winning, it's also there's many many things that are coming out of this industry. You're gonna need attorneys for this. You're gonna need you know marketers for this. You're gonna need publicists for this. It's a specialized industry, so I encourage the students who really want to take this seriously. Twenty years ago, the entrepreneurship program was a crazy thing. People were like, "Why would you not do that?" This is no different now. Be on the for forefront. Believe in yourself. Get it going. You can still educate yourself in this and other things. And really kind of grow and have that perspective. I think that's the most important thing is follow your dreams and don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. Yeah, you know, so um, with, with my with my clan, Icebreakers clan, we do have a lot of high schoolers that are content creators for us. And that's something that we get asked a lot is, is really the best pathway to pursue for these kids to go um, through the industry, what colleges to look at, where these programs are offered, how strong they are. And, and obviously advance their careers through not only competitive play, but, but from a educational perspective, you know, getting an understanding of, of esports from non-competitive angles, right? How to produce an event, how to, how to build a sponsorship or build a brand, the best way to, to carry yourself out as a professional. So um, it's funny, actually, I, you do see a lot of this education happening in high schools now, at least some of the more progressive ones. So I, I'm fortunate I live in Orange County, California, and we have several high schools uh, between Los Angeles and Orange County that are developing esports programs. My own high school, for example, I, I went right before COVID. Uh, I was I toured. They just built an esports lab with fifteen, uh, you know, high powered PCs, an Overwatch competitive team, a League competitive team, and some others. Um, and 
you know, it's not uncommon for these high schools to start building resources, especially the prep high schools, I think, because these are the ones that are that are fortunate to have funding that understand what's going to attract the next generation of students. And that's also going to give their students a leg up uh, to, to succeed wherever their career takes them, uh, wherever their educational track takes them after high school. So um, I think a focus on high school is definitely important in terms of what are they doing to advance the next generation of gamer. But um, how that works directly with colleges, I don't see you see, I don't think you see a lot of that in the United States currently. I do read a lot of reports about um, in the UK and in other Commonwealth countries in particular that are taking advantage of, of certain gaming programs to really help their curriculum, to help shy kids out of their shell, to help, inc- you know, uh, things that where you're noticing a significant boost in GPA and participation. Um, and again, you know, I'm sorry, going off on this long tangent here, but uh, the, the short of it is, I think, uh, in the next couple of years, and what you've already been seeing for the past year, is uh, a strong synergy between what high schools can do to prepare kids to get an education in esports in college, to the colleges that are offering it, and then colleges, again, expanding their product offering as well, because that could be the the decision maker for a lot of students is, uh, you know, I'm going to choose school A over B because of that esports program or opportunity, uh, you know, because they have a, 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 call, a call of duty team and this other school doesn't, or because they have a, a program that's backed by the university and funded versus one that's just at a club or varsity level. Absolutely. I think that's a great note to wrap up this podcast on. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think we had a little bit of technical difficulties. I'm going to blame the power outage on the East Coast due to the major storm. We're recording this on August 7th. You're probably not listening to a week or so later. So that's what we're blaming uh, some of these technical issues on. But I'm going to do my best to fix it all up in post, make sure all this conversation flows smoothly for you all. I want to thank Jimmy Barada, the co-founder of the NACL, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And David Chedd, a board member for the NACL and a man who has done a lot of work all around esports, tech, crypto, and whatever else the man has been involved in. So David, Jimmy, thank you guys for coming on the show. It was a blast. Hey, Mitch, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Esports Network podcast and also this episode of the College Esports Quick Deck. So I'm going to do a quick plug for our new podcast. In case you're listening to the Esports Network feed, which I imagine most people are until we get College Esports up and running. The goal for the College Esports Quick Take is a combination of the Esports Minute and the Esports Network podcast. So that Esports Minute, a daily show, goes live every day at noon, about two minutes on top esports business news. For the College Esports Quick Take, we're planning five different segments each day of the week, where on Monday, we talk about standings, we talk about results. On Tuesday, we talk about the academic side. So that would be stuff like David's SMU class and what he's teaching. On Wednesday, we're going to do a program spotlight where we look at some of the biggest programs in the world. On Thursday, we're going to do industry news. So that's your Jed G's getting involved. That's your Cloud9 partnerships. That's just uh, DreamHack, CSL, NACL, whatever's going on, whatever business deals are happening there. And then on Friday, we're going to give you the upcoming matches, the rivalries to look out for. And then every week, we're also going to do one of these feature interviews with one of the leaders of the collegiate esports world. So we're really trying to pump out a ton of collegiate esports content with some of the best minds, with some of the best people 
in the collegiate esports world to help if you're a high schooler to help you inform your decision if you're a college esports aficionado to give you something to listen to on your walk to class or if you're a business person interested more in the collegiate esports world as david mentioned there's a lot of opportunity for brands for sponsorships uh for hiring even with uh collegiate esports programs so if you're interested in that, please follow the Collegiate Esports Quick Take, the Esports College Quick Take, whatever you search, it should come up. Uh, we'll be producing a ton of content on that feed, just like this interview with Jimmy and David, two great minds who I was excited to talk to. We're going to have them back on again soon to talk about a more wide-ranging thing for the Esports Network podcast feed. But for now, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jimmy and David. And please check out that college esports quick take. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Dreams, signing off for now. I'll talk to you guys again soon.